Good morning all and happy Mother's Day to everybody in the house this morning. You know, I want to acknowledge um, some of you, you don't have your mums around you on this special day. May the Lord be with you. I also want to acknowledge that um, some of you don't uh, find Mother's Day uh, a happy day, but a, a painful um, experience. You know, the best way for you to honor your mum is to release her to the Lord and God will bless you. Most of us have a complaint. Oh, first of all, I want to acknowledge our band. Weren't they great this morning? Oh, thank you, boys. You guys were amazing. And, and Sharon. <laughs> Most of us um, have a complaint, two or three or four, about our parents. And one day I was doing that to the Lord, and he spoke to me and he said, you know, your mom brought you up the way she knew best. She had her own scars. She had her own... Uh, hurts and her own disappointment, but she committed herself in bringing you up in the way she knew best. You know, my, my dad uh, graduated to heaven when he was 55, and my mom stayed strong in the Lord and committed herself in bringing up 11 kids. She's now 89 years old and still going strong for God, and every day continues to remind us to honor God in everything that we do. I really wanted to honor her um, for her faith and for who I am today. And I want to take this moment also to honor all the mothers in here. You know, your encouragement, your support, and your prayers are for those for the work of the, of the Lord. May God bless you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time. It was a special moment. We thank you for all the moms. Father, we thank you that you love us. And Lord, we want to honor you this morning. In your word, we ask that you speak to us. Change us, mold us to be like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see, a four-year-old boy asks his mom, I say, mom, are bugs good to eat? And mom says, oh, don't talk about that during our dinner time. So after dinner, then mom turned to the young boy and they say, now, baby, what is it that you wanted to talk to me about? Say, oh, nothing. There was a bug in your soup, but now it's gone. <laughs> and who knows, Proverbs 31 highlights an ideal wife. And verse 10, it says, a wife of noble character, who can find, and that's right, in your dreams. Because, and every day, a normal mom eats bucks without knowing it, right? And this is what a typical week for a mom. Mom, where's my shoes? Mom, have you seen my uniform? Oh, honey, have you seen my glasses? Have you seen the car keys? Have you seen my belt? Oh, mom, what's for dinner? Oh, mom, where did you put my stuff? Oh, mom... We've run out of toilet paper. Mom, where's everything? And this is me in a rubbish. <laughs> you know, my husband has this saying at home. You're looking for stuff, look in the rubbish bin first. I'm not here to teach you to put things in the trash. Right? I'm here to encourage you to do the opposite. Instead of reactive, let's get wise. At the end of Proverbs 31, in case you think I don't believe in the Proverbs, at the end of Proverbs 31, it says, A wife of noble character is a woman who fears the Lord. And a woman who fears the Lord is a wise person. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can get. Because it says wisdom also develops into common sense and good judgment. You know, Samoans are really bad at this. They always say, You know, they say common sense. Use your common sense. But really, there's no common sense if you don't have wisdom. Because the Bible says, wisdom develops into your common sense and good judgment. 
And James 1.5 says God will give it generously to anybody who asks. And get this without finding fault. Regardless of where you're at with your walk with God, you're struggling, you need wisdom, he'll give it to you generously. You see, wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing, so we shouldn't con confuse both. Because knowledge is the information you learn. And wisdom is how you apply that information in a profound way. Wisdom is the ability to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, and, get, and, and last one, who to say it to. It is the power of good judgment. You see, a wise person will be knowledgeable, but a knowledgeable person is not necessarily wise. I know of a young man, none of them at the front here, okay, who confused wisdom with knowledge. He applied to a church, he wanted to become a pastor. And so the board interviewed him. And the chairman of the board asked him, what's your favorite story in the Bible, the part of the Bible? He replied, the Gospels. Okay, so can you tell us the story about the prodigal son? Oh, sure. Here we go. And he says, there was a man of the Pharisees, his name is Nicodemus. He went down to Jericho by night, and he fell among thorns. The next morning, Solomon and his wife, Kamara, came by, and they carried him to Moses. Stop laughing to take care of. But as if they were going through the eastern gate, his hair caught, caught on the branch of a tree. And he hung there 40 days and 40 nights. Afterwards, he was really hungry. Then some ravens came by and fed him. The next day, the three wise men, they came and carried him down to the boat dock, a ship to Nineveh. And when he arrived there, he found Delilah sitting on the wall. He said to the wise men, throw, throw her down. And they say, how many times? Seven times? He said, no, no, 70 times, seven. So they threw her down 490 times. Then they picked up the 12 baskets of leftover. The chairman suddenly interrupted the young man. Young man, we stopped there. We've heard enough. He said to the board members, brothers and sisters, we ought to recommend to the church. We call this young man our pastor. He is very young, but he sure does know his Bible. No, as I say, it's none of our pastors at the front here, okay? But here's an important question for you. If you ask God for wisdom, how do you know what you get is from God? Because James tells us there is earthly wisdom and there is wisdom from above. And let's read that in James 3, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. James explained what earthly wisdom looks like. And we can see that in verses 14, 15. I like the New Living Translation. It's much easier to understand. And this is what it says, but if you are bitterly jealous 
and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and, and lying. So boasting and lying, they have roots in jealousy and selfish ambition. For jealous, jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. See, James say, this kind of wisdom are earthly, which means it refers to a mind that doesn't acknowledge the, supreme, the sovereign, sovereignty of God. A mind that, does, that says there is no God. We know what the Bible says about a fool who says there's no God. Only a fool says that. And then, he, and then he goes on to say it's unspiritual. But the other translations, they say it's sensual, which means it refers to the wisdom that has to do with the body, the soul, and emotions, not the spirit. Therefore, this kind of wisdom not only is not from God, it's got nothing to do with God. Because James goes on to say it's demonic. It's a wisdom from the devil himself. Selfish ambition and jealousy are the same things that motivate Satan to rebel against God. So therefore, a person with this kind of wisdom is easily influenced by Satan. And can I say that not only those who don't know God can be easily influenced. There's an example in the Old Testament book in the book of Esther. There's a man named Haman. He was a high, highest official in the king's palace. He was serving the king, and he found out Mordecai, he was a Jew, was being honored by the king because he saved the king's life. And Haman, who wanted all the glory, was so jealous of Mordecai because he wanted the honor. Not only that, he didn't like Mordecai, who was a God-fearing man because he, Mordecai, would not bow down to him. So he made this plan in his own heart. He built some gallows to hang Mordecai. But we know his plan was intercepted because Queen Esther found out and she intervened. So at the end, at the result, the king said, hang him. Haman, hang him in his own gallows that he built. And not only that, all the ten of his sons were killed. I mean, I read that story, it was just like heartbreaking. You know, but his selfish action was he paid the highest price for his own selfish and jealousy um, actions before God. And you know, selfishness never consider other people. But the sad thing is, our selfish actions can have a tragic side effect on innocent people. And for Haman's case, it was his own children. It was a result of earthly wisdom. You might recall the two ships that collided in the Red Sea, in the Black Sea, sorry, in 1986. A very sad story, even sad that investigation revealed that the cause of this accident that, that caused a lot of loss of lives in the icy waters, it had nothing to do with a technical issue or a bad weather. The blame was attributed, attributed to human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of other ships' presence. Both of them could have avoided or taken action to avert the collision, but neither of them was willing to give up their right to the other. Both were too proud to yield, and by the time they realized the error of their ways, it was too late. So many lives were lost. How about you? How about me? You know, how do we deal with difficult people in our lives? 
Do we hold on to and keep hating and hold on to unforgiveness until it's too late? You know, what does wisdom from heaven look like? In James, um, St. James 3, in verse 13, says that this wisdom from God is a lifestyle. It has got nothing to do with your intelligence, but it has everything to do with your relationship and your character. It says, if you're wise and understand God's way, prove it by your lifestyle. Doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. In other, that's what James is saying. If you're wise, prove it by your lifestyle. This is not about someone else. This is about you. This is about me. What kind of wisdom do we have? And I want us to go through verses 17, 18. And I want us to look at every, at the verse, consider it. Is it evident in your own life? Is it evident in my own life? And number one, a wise person will not compromise integrity. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Now there's a reason that James put that in number one, top of the list. Because wisdom from above comes from a pure heart. You know, Jesus said, blessed are those with a pure heart. Because only those with a pure heart can and see God. Only those with a pure heart can see God. You go into a room sometimes and everybody, and a person with a pure heart brings a different perspective. Integrity says, if I'm wise, I'm going to be genuine. If I'm wise, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to cheat you. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to be deceptive. Deceptive. I'm going to be a person of integrity. In Proverbs 10, 9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. I love that. Love that verse. It means you're not afraid of being found out. Because you don't say one thing to another person and a different thing to another group. Because eventually you're going to slip up. Eventually you're going to create one lie to cover the other lie, create another lie to cover another lie until you run out. Nobody has the capacity to be a habitual liar. And number two, a wise person will be a peacemaker. Wisdom is peace-loving. You know, we can't be at peace with God and with others if we don't have a pure heart. That's why James say, the wisdom from God is first pure. James say, if you're wise, you don't sweat the small stuff. You know, you don't lose sleep over he say, she say, he say, she say. Because some things are just not worth the fight. Decide what's important. Decide what's important, um, and worth standing your ground. Pick your fight. Not physical fight. But something worth standing for. Fight for your children's spiritual walk with God. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your husband. Fight for your wife. Fight on your knees for, in prayers for your family, those who are unsaved. Someone once said the secret of wisdom is knowing what to overlook. And number three, a wise person is not self-centered. Wisdom is considerate, and considerate means, means you be mindful of the feelings of others. You know, there's a common mistake that we have. If I don't feel what you're, fee what you're feeling, then your feelings are invalid or illogical or irrational or silly. 
Do you have teenagers? Uh, I do. You know, I was talking to my teenage son, and do you sometimes feel that they're on a different planet? Yeah. So I was talking to him, and in my head, I'm saying, why don't you, why you, I don't understand why you're feeling that way. And then in my head, I'm going, I don't understand why you don't understand me. And then the Lord convicted me of that. You know, just because I'm not feeling what he's feeling doesn't mean his feelings are invalid. You know, we need to validate their feelings. You, can, you don't have to accept it, but you can understand them. And number four, a wise person is not rebellious. And the true uh, translation of that word, a wisdom is submissive. You know, the word translated in another version as open to reason. You know, you have an open mind. You can are uh, willing to yield to other people's opinion. You're not defensive if somebody has a, a different opinion to, your, to yours. And number five, a wise person will be forgiving. Wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. It doesn't emphasize your mistakes. You know, do you ever let people go or do you keep hounding them about their past mistakes? Women don't throw things at me, but I think women are really good at this. Two guys, long, long, long lost friends. They haven't seen each other for a long time, so they came together with their wives. And because they haven't been together, they chat, chat, chat all night. This is just the two men. And then they realize, oh my gosh, it's getting so late. We better get back to our rooms. And when the next day they met again for breakfast, and so the other guy say, oh, what did your wife think? And the other guy said, well, you know, I walk into the door and my wife got hysterical. And he said, oh, did you mean hysterical? No, 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 historical. It means she told me everything I ever did wrong. See, he agreed with me. He agreed with me. Hope your girlfriend is not in the room. <laughs> James 2 verse 13 says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is greater principle than judging. And number six, a wise person will be real. You know, wisdom is impartial and sincere. It means without hypocrisy. James says, if you're wise, you're not phony. You don't try and put on a mask and be Beyonce or be somebody else that you're not. <laughs> Proverbs 29:13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. You know, being real doesn't mean you say whatever you want to say because I'm being real. I demand this room, I'm being real. So I can say anything I want to that sister. I can say anything I want to that brother. No, that's being dumb. Because the Bible says in James 3, just before that, he talks about the tongue. The tongue is destructive. It says that the tongue, the tongue is full of fire and full of wickedness. It can actually poison the whole body of Christ. And no one can tame it. Wow. The same tongue that we worship God on Sunday, and then it's the same tongue when you're so angry, you can rip somebody to pieces. I was talking to in, in our devotion at home, and my little boy, Isha, came out, Poked out his tongue and said, Mom, can you please check if my tongue is poisonous? <laughs> you know, the best way for us to control our tongue is to get wisdom. You know, being real is admitting that you have an issue. 
right? That's being real. Being real is admitting that you're struggling to stay pure. Being real is admitting that you're struggling to be peace-loving. And being real is admitting that you struggle to consider your wife's feelings. Come on, man, be real. And being real is admitting that you struggle with unforgiveness or being judgmental. But you know, my advice for Christians, when somebody's being real, they, they're, they're, you know, it takes courage for somebody to be vulnerable and be transparent. You know, can I ask you, before you say anything, ask God for wisdom. What do I do with this information? What do I do with this person opening up? How many people who have left church or have broken up because we haven't been wise in what we do with the information? I encourage you, take it to God. Ask God, what do I need to do? Can I ask the band or the keys to join me? I mean, how do you rate yourself in the wisdom test? Who's honest enough to say there is room for improvement? If you're like me, I, it was painful to put together this message. Even up to yesterday, I was at Manukau, I was sharing with my sister before. You know, when you're in the Word, God just, He brings, He said, okay, because the Bible said those who teach the Word are going to be judged severely. Right? We'll be judged those who teach the Word because God wants to see, are you living what you're preaching? And God knows, I've been carrying something in my heart for a while. You know, something I disagree with my sister. We came together, we love each other, we talk. But somehow, down here, I haven't been honest enough to her that I was disappointed with what she did. And I sat on it, sat on it. And, and yesterday, I was in Manukau, and she walked past and said, she never comes to Manukau. She meant to be working. She started, and she just walked past. And I called her over, and we just said, can you help me find what I'm looking for? And after that, and she left. And as she walked, God just gave me these eyes. They saw her in a different realm of God's love. It was this amazing experience. As she walked away, my heart fell for her. And I called my phone, I texted her, said, I love you, I appreciate you, thank you for all that you do. And she sent back the tears. She must have known, but she didn't say, but she must have known with my own way I was talking to her. But you know, a wise person, you hear the word, don't delay it. My sister here this morning did the same thing. She heard God spoke to her and straight away got on the phone, texted her sister. Don't hold on to it. Because you never know when God calls you home. And you never know when God calls that person home and you haven't made things right. You know, it's always hard to hold on to your integrity because we live in a fallen world. You know, it's hard to be peacemaker and it's hard to be considerate of others' feelings and submiss be submissive to God and be the first person to own up and be the first person to say, I'm sorry. You know, and especially when you see those who don't know God are living a life. You know, those who don't know God they don't lift a finger, and yet you see their riches and their wealth that continues to multiply. And you do everything right. 
You're trying to live by God's word and you feel, how come they get everything and I'm struggling? You know, Psalm 73, I was reading that on a, yesterday or whenever I was studying. It just spoke to me. You know, Psalm 73, if you're feeling like that, I encourage you, bury your head in that psalm. Because he echoes those feelings. And I want to say it, I want to finish off with those. In verse, I love his realness before God. He was opening to God. He was talking to God and he was saying, have I been wasting my time? Why do I take the trouble to stay pure? In verse 14, all I get out of this is trouble and woe every day and all day long. And he goes on to say, but if I have said anything to anybody, I will be a traitor. Do you feel like that sometimes? You don't want to talk to somebody. You don't want to be real because you feel like you're not a Christian. Not right. Wrong. You can't be real before God. And 16, he says, it's hard to explain this prosperity of those who hate the Lord. Wow, how much more it can get? How much more real do you need to be? But then I continue on reading, and in verse 17, it says, But then he saw the wisdom of God in the midst of it all. And I really want to encourage you with that, verse 17. This is what he said, But then in one day, I went into God's sanctuary. What happens in God's sanctuary? God's sanctuary is the place of God. One day he went to the house of the Lord. One day he went into that secret place of just him and God. One day he went on his knees and one day he cried out to God. And the Bible says, then he was set free. Don't go home. Don't take that home, whatever you brought with you here this morning. Please don't take it back home with you. You're not made. You don't have the capacity to carry that with you. Jesus does. James said, if you have wisdom from above, it produces blessings in your life. You will reap a harvest of goodness. You know, knowledge is something you learn. Wisdom is the gift. And the secret is in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, verse 3 says, In him, who is Christ, lie hidden all God's treasures and wisdom. Where is it hidden? In Christ. It's wrapped in the person of Christ. That's where wisdom comes from. Who needs that wisdom this morning? Lift your hand high. Leave it lifted because I want to pray for you. Dear God, with a humble heart, with our hands raised to heaven, we're saying, God, we need you. We recognize where we have gone wrong. We recognize our faults. We recognize our stubbornness. We recognize that we need you. So Father, I ask with every hand lifted to you this morning that you will grant wisdom and blessings. They will reap a harvest of righteousness. We declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to pray for anybody that hasn't given their life or say yes to Jesus for the first time. Now, if that's you this morning, I want every eyes closed. And I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your great sacrifice. I realize that I am a sinner and in need of a savior. I humbly ask for your forgiveness. 
I give my life to you, holding nothing back. Please grant me your wisdom because I want to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.